It's almost time for the 61st ACB Annual Convention, and convention time also means ACB Auction Time. This year's auction will be held on Saturday, June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's your chance to bid on crafts, jewelry, technology, and those ever-popular food items, including some delicious baked goods. Participation is easy. If you're registered for the convention, you're automatically registered to bid. You can join in on Zoom or tune in to ACB Media to catch all the action. If you want to get in on some early deals, the ACB Appetizer Auction is for you. It'll take place June 16th and 17th with lots of great items up for bid throughout both days. All proceeds will benefit ACB membership and the ACB community. Watch your email for more auction details or contact Leslie Spoon if you have any questions. Her email address is lesliespoon at cfl.rr.com. That's Leslie Spoon at cfl.rr.com. Let's have some fun while raising money to support ACB. See you at the auction June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. Good morning to you all from the Pacific Northwest. My name is Jaira Espinal, and this is Whole Foundation Presents Is Leader Dogs the Right School for You? We will be talking about Leader Dogs Guide Out of School out of Michigan. I'm so excited about this. Um, so, uh, to start with, uh, oh, and we have Teresa Christian, our uh, ACB host, and Herbie Allen is our streamer. So glad to have you both on board, and as well as our guest. I will present her in a moment. And so before we get started, though, um, for those of you in on Zoom, please remain muted. Please, please, please remain muted, uh, as some of us on this are hard of hearing. So this will that way you can keep your background noises um out of the way and and no, nothing's going on with with that and so we may uh, respect the speaker and um so anyways before we turn it over to our guest miss leslie hoskins uh we will have Teresa go over the commands okay here's the housekeeping things on a PC, to mute and unmute is Alt-A. To raise and lower your hand is Alt-Y. On a Mac, to mute and unmute is Command-Shift-A. To raise and lower your hand is Option-Y. If you are using the app, the lower left-hand corner is the mute button. The lower right-hand corner is the more button. Tap that and flick to the left and find the hand thing. <laughs> and then if you're on... A regular touchtone phone, star six is to mute and unmute, and raise and lower your hand is star nine. So there we go. Oh, also remember to do the got it button because this is being recorded, of course. So if you're having difficulty unmuting when it's time, that could be the issue. So remember to, to deal with that. Okay, back to you, Leslie, or to you, Leslie. All right. Hi, everyone. 
Uh, thank you so much for having me today. My name is Leslie Hoskins. I'm a certified orientation and mobility specialist, as well as the outreach services and community engagement manager at Leader Dogs for the Blind. Um, I'm thrilled to be here with you today to share about Leader Dogs for the Blind and all of the wonderful programs that we have going on. So I'll plan to speak for a good 20 to 30 minutes and then certainly open up to any questions that you may have. So to get us started, Leader Dogs for the Blind is a nonprofit organization located in Rochester Hills, Michigan. So we were established in 1939 and we work every day towards our mission of empowering people who are blind or visually impaired with lifelong skills for safe and independent daily travel. Leader Dog does not receive any federal or state funding and we receive no payments from insurance companies which means that we rely completely on voluntary contributions to fulfill our mission. With that being said, all of the programs that I'm gonna share with you today are completely free to our clients. So that includes room, board, and airfare. So we will actually fly clients in from all over the US and Canada. We pay for that flight, we pick you up at the airport, bring you to our campus, um, and then you stay in our campus, which is kind of like staying in a hotel. You've got your own room and bathroom. Uh, there's a dining area, a workout facility, outdoor kind of practice area. And so again, all of that is completely free, no expense to our clients. So a couple of things that make us unique uh, in comparison to different agencies or organizations is that one, we don't have any vocational goal requirements. So clients are eligible for services, whether or not employment is a goal of theirs. Uh, additionally, we don't have any age cutoff for different programs for senior citizens. So all of our programs are available to anyone who is 16 years or older. Uh, our goal is really to serve individuals throughout the entire lifespan. Uh, and so we have multiple programs and we hope to do that. We also don't have a limit on number of service hours available. Um, so again, because we don't receive any of that state or federal funding, we've got a lot more flexibility on who we can serve and how we can serve them. And so we can serve clients multiple times for multiple dogs, multiple weeks of O&M. Um, people can come to all three of our programs and so forth. Lastly, is that we don't require any formal referrals. So while we absolutely love getting formal referrals from other professionals in the field, whether that be other O&M instructors, other, um, let's see, TVIs or physical therapists, anything like that, uh, we don't actually require any of those. So Leader Dog supports our mission by offering three different main programs. The first one being, of course, our guide dog training, which is the one we are most known for. The second program we offer is our orientation and mobility training. And then lastly, we have a summer experience camp for teenagers. So again, all of those are completely free, including room, board, and airfare. So I'm gonna go ahead and break down each one of these programs a little bit further and talk about them in greater detail. So again, the first program we have is our guide dog training, and this is where clients are specifically matched by our guide dog mobility instructors with a guide dog to fit their needs. So some of the things that are taken into consideration are a client's pace, travel environment, personality traits, pull they can handle, any other unique traits are really considered when thinking about this matching process of finding the perfect guide dog for each individual client. 
So our guide dog mobility instructors really do take as much time as possible learning all that they can about our clients and all that they can about the dogs that they're working with in order to really find that perfect match and hopefully create a life of independence. So we're currently offering our guide dog training in a couple of different formats because we really recognize it's not a one-size-fits-all type of training. Guide dog training and mobility training in general are very unique to each individual client and their needs. And so we've kind of come up with these four different options in hopes of kind of uh, fitting into what people need and what's going to work for them. So I'm going to go through these four training options. Uh, the first one being our residential training. This one is the most popular. It's usually uh, the shortest wait time. And it really does take advantage of time away from home distractions to really help solidify the skills and understanding working concepts of bonding with a new dog. So this takes place on our campus in Rochester Hills. It's typically around three weeks long or, set, or 21 days. Um, and it's really the most comprehensive of our training options. It's the most time with a guide dog mobility instructor. While here on campus, you also have the support of our fellow trainees, so other people going through the same thing, but also our on-campus orientation and mobility specialists if there were any concerns or issues with orientation or mobility skills, in which case we are there to help support. Um, I also have to mention that, of course, when coming and staying on campus, the meals are absolutely fantastic. So people always think that they're going to lose weight because they're going to be walking for three weeks and doing all these uh, exercises. But the food is so delicious that we tend to just eat all the time, too. So um, please, if you do come to campus, you have to request the Mile High Taco Pie. It's a crowd favorite. Um, our second option is in-home delivery. So three weeks is a huge commitment. And it's a big time to be away from home. So we certainly understand for those that cannot be away from home for that amount of time, whether that be for health reasons, um, family restrictions or care options and or even work. So we totally get that. And so we offer the in-home delivery option, which is when our instructors, our guide dog mobility instructors would bring a guide dog to the client's home environment and provide one-on-one -on -one tailored instruction. So typically this training is around 10 days long. And this really allows for our clients to continue to work if need be or care for family members or get whatever medical treatment that they may need for health issues. So Again, we've got our residential training and our in-home delivery. The third option is what we consider our flex training. And this is, again, really a combination of those top two or those first two. So again, if somebody can't be away from campus for three weeks, but maybe could still come for a week because it's really beneficial, especially if it's your first guide dog, to come to campus um, and get that fellow support from other people and really just be able to focus on that dog. So the flex training is really great because it's going to provide some on-campus with some additional in-home support as well. Lastly, we have our deaf-blind program. And this is a three-week program that takes place on our campus in Rochester Hills and is specifically for clients who are deaf-blind, typically commuting with, communicating with American Sign Language, whether that be visual or tactile. Um, it really does depend on the client's individual needs. So the deafblind class is on a bit of a smaller ratio. It's usually one, um, I'm sorry, one instructor to one or two clients. Um, and then sometimes in this program, the dogs can also be dual trained to alert to specific sounds. Um, so that is, of course, a very unique program. I will mention here that the current dogs that we are using are Labradors, 
golden retrievers and German shepherds. We're also kind of using mixes of those. Um, and so we have lots of lab golden crosses and we're even um, crossing with the German shepherds as of right now too. So all of these guide dog programs are offered to individuals who are 16 years or older, legally blind and have good independent travel skills to be successful with a guide dog. So I'm going to go through rather quickly here the International Guide Dog Federation standards. And this is really um, what we use kind of in our admissions committee when clients are coming through with their applications. This is kind of the checklist that we're going through to make sure that they meet all of these standards in order to be approved for a guide dog. So I'll go through these rather quickly because it is quite long. Um, but if anybody has any questions or wants to go through these later, has anything like that, I'm happy to do that at another time. Uh, the first one is motivation to train and work with a guide dog team in the long term. On average, our dogs are working about eight years, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less, but thinking about that commitment and that long term. Uh, the next one is ability to achieve and maintain the leadership role in the person guide dog relationship. And so this is really important that, you know, guide dogs have different rules and standards than pets. So making sure that the person can uh, maintain those and keep the dog's skills. Ability, uh, physical ability to manage a large breed guide dog. On average, our dogs are about 45 to 85 pounds, which is quite large. So physically being able to maintain that dog, um, because again, they are dogs. And so their natural instinct might be to chase after a squirrel this one time, they might think they're going to get it. Um, and they might lunge. And so it's really important to physically be able to hold on to that dog. Now, ideally, they won't be doing that because they've had a lot of distraction work. But again, we know they are animals. Uh, functional orientation to the routes and destinations that the person will use. So this means consistent orientation with no assistance, problem solving skills, and the ability to reorient self with minimal to no assistance. So again, knowing where you're at, where you're going, and how to get there, that orientation piece that sometimes people think that the dog takes over, um, but really it is ultimately the handler's responsibility to determine where they're going. Next, we have sufficient work for the guide dog to maintain its safe guiding skills. Um, so that for us means a minimum of three established routes that are traveled regularly without assistance. So again, we don't want these dogs to lose their skills. We also know that a bored dog can sometimes become a bad dog. These dogs are meant to be out working. They're excited to work and to get out there. So it is really important that we have our clients have routes already planned and established that they can get those dogs out there um, and working. We also have vision loss that causes the person to be dependent on a primary mobility aid. For us at Leader Dog, that specifically means that clients meet federally regulated legal blindness standards. Um, that is different sometimes among different organizations, but for us at Leader Dog, if you are legally blind, uh, then you do qualify for a guide dog or a leader dog. Next is ability to independently cross streets, um, including the use of appropriate assistance. So again, for our deafblind clients, whether that means using um, APS signals and or uh, crossing cards or whatever uh, mode of, of independent crossings that they use. So I also, somebody had mentioned previously um, about uh, trained dis, uh, disobedience. So when our dogs are doing traffic checks, basically, 
Because again, it is up to the handler to determine when to cross the street. So our clients are expected to know how um, intersections are controlled and then determining the appropriate time to cross. Guide dogs are sometimes that little bit of extra safety net in that they are trained to not obey a command if it is not safe to go. So for example, if a client is ready to cross the street and they tell the dog Juno forward, um, and the dog notices that there's a car coming or it's not the appropriate time, something dangerous is happening, the dog is trained to disobey, so to not follow that command and to actually stop and not go. And so sometimes that's that extra little safety net that a guide dog does that a cane can't provide. Um, and so to practice those, we do what we call traffic checks. So when our guide dog mobility instructors are training dogs and also clients on campus with their dogs, uh, we do traffic checks and that we actively try to, you know, pull out in front of them and we expect the dog to stop the client. So um, I hope that answers the question. But again, at the end, uh, if you have further questions, I'm certainly happy to talk about it. And then the last two here on our IGDF or our standards here that we're looking for uh, for our applicants is a positive home environment and access to required resources to maintain the dog's ongoing health. So basically financially being able to support that guide dog, again, thinking in the, the long term. Um, so those are the International Guide Dog Federation standards. So that's really a nice little checklist if you're working towards a guide dog um, or you're about to put your application in for a guide dog, just kind of making sure, okay, yep, I've got all these things, I'm good to go. Because uh, that is what our admissions committee is really going to be looking for, for each individual applicant. I'm gonna switch gears here and I'm gonna talk about our orientation and mobility program. Um, so our orientation and mobility program is a one week program that is offered to individuals who are legally blind. I do wanna mention that for this program, we can offer it sometimes to individuals who are not quite legally blind, but are kind of close or on the verge or anticipated that they're gonna get there shortly. Um, and this is a one-week program. We started this in January of 2002 uh, because we wanted to help our clients increase skills and meet their goals of traveling independently, whether that's with a white cane or a guide dog. So I really think one of the best parts about this program is that clients do not have to be interested in a guide dog in order to qualify for our O&M training. So if you have no interest in a guide dog at all and you just want to improve your cane skills, we are happy to do that. There's never any pressure, um, but certainly if you are interested in a guide dog, this is also a great place to start. So it's a one-on-one -on -one program from a certified orientation and mobility specialist. And throughout that week, clients on average receive around 25 to 30 hours of direct instruction. So it's completely individualized and really training takes place in numerous environments dependent on the client's needs. There are no skill requirements for this program and anyone who is 16 years or older can apply. Another common misconception about this program is that it's an advanced program only for people that already have a lot of independent travel skills. And really the truth is we see people from all over the spectrum. So some have been traveling with a cane or a guide dog for many years and others were prescribing the very first cane and introducing how to fold and unfold the cane. So really we are hoping to fulfill kind of that full spectrum and meet people at their level of independence. Again, this program is completely free, including airfare, room, and board. 
So similar to our guide dog training, we kind of have offered this in a couple of different formats. Um, again, keeping in mind, it's completely individual. It typically takes place on our campus in Rochester Hills. However, we are hoping to expand a little bit more and provide some in-home, more in-home training. Um, but we've come up with a couple different categories or types of training, and we did this for two reasons. One, it's really helpful for us as O&M instructors to identify what the person is looking for, what type of training they're looking for. And two, hopefully it's helping our applicants understand what type of training we can provide. Um, so just to give you an idea, I'll go through these, but the first one being introduction to O&M. So this might be great for somebody who's new to the blindness and low vision field, who's just kind of starting to experience those vision loss things, thinking about starting traveling with a cane. Um, this is a great time and a great program. Again, all of our clients that come for O&M do receive a free Ambutech graphite folding mobility cane um, and whatever tips that they would like. However, we do accept all cane types. So if somebody comes with a different style cane that they prefer, there is never any pressure um, to use the canes that we give out. However, they are free. The next program that we have is O&M Brush Up. So this is gonna be great for somebody who's maybe had some formal training in the past, but maybe it's been several years. Maybe their visual condition has changed. Maybe um, their physical ability has changed. They've moved to different environment. Uh, maybe they've been traveling with a guide dog for a long time and that dog is gonna be retiring soon and they're gonna be using their cane for a little bit. Whatever the reason is, this is a great brush up option. Um, and we, again, we can meet you at your independent skill level. Thirdly, we have our guide dog readiness, and this is gonna be for individuals who are wanting to travel with a guide dog, if that's a goal of theirs. Um, we're gonna go through those International Guide Dog Federation standards in hopes of kind of looking at where we need to improve and what we need to work on and talk about some realistic goals um, and expectations of guide dog travel. Lastly, we have what we are considering our advanced O&M, and this is really for individuals who are just looking to take their O&M skills to the next level. Maybe they want to travel more confidently in difficult environments or complex intersections. Um, it's great for somebody who's maybe thinking about incorporating a little more technology into their travel. So those are the four O&M programs that we offer. Again, the week really does um, end up being individualized. So sometimes it's kind of a mixture of those. But the reason we created these four uh, options is, again, one, it helps us understand what the client's looking for. And two, it helps the clients understand or applicants understand what we can offer and what we can provide at Leader Dog for our O&M program. The last program that I wish to share here is our Summer Experience Camp. This is a week-long free camp for 16 and 17-year-olds who are legally blind. Campers come in from all over the U.S. and Canada, and we really just have such a great time. We're so excited to have this back and in person. Uh, we haven't been able to have it in person for the last couple of years, and so we're so excited that campers will be arriving uh just in a couple of weeks, June 26th through July 2nd. Uh, and we're gonna do so many fun things. Uh, we talk about leadership skills, mobility options, such as a guide dog. We talk about accessible GPS, but honestly, it's just a great time of rock wall climbing, zip lining, and making friends, meeting other people like themselves, and kind of sharing this unique uh, week experience where we just do a lot of fun stuff. So uh, if you know anybody within that age bracket, uh, please have them apply for next year's camp because we're, again, super excited about it. 
The last thing I want to share here is we do have a couple of new virtual learning options or kind of some new things that we've started. So one of the big things I hope that people take away is that Leader Dog is more than Guide Dogs. Of course, Guide Dogs is our number one program and where our heart and soul is, but we have really expanded to try to meet so many individual needs um, and really help people in many aspects of their life or really try to educate and keep people engaged. And so uh, one of the things that we've created within the last couple of years is our new virtual learning resources. This can be find, found at our website, leaderdog.org under the resources tab. And here you can find information about um, there's categories for potential clients, graduates, family and friends, and other professionals in the blindness and low vision field. There's some really good videos on guide dog readiness, you know, kind of is a guide dog for you. There's a great video on what is O&M and kind of how do we teach it at Leader Dog. There's videos on frequently asked questions on how do I know when to start using a cane, um, when you're applying to Leader Dog, things to consider, what to expect, how to make the video. So just a plethora of resources that can be found there um, about Leader Dog specifically, but also just a, uh, some things about blindness in general. So there's a great video on accessible pedestrian signals, kind of what are they, what do they do, that type of thing. So again, that can be found at leaderdog.org under the resources tab. Next, we're also providing once a month live webinars. We call these collaboration events. And this is an opportunity for us to partner with other organizations within the blindness and low vision field to learn about the services that they provide. So we recognize LeaderDog, you know, is one piece of the puzzle and that we really focus on mobility. And there are so many other wonderful resources and organizations and agencies and products out there that can be of great benefit to not only our clients, but our other professionals and agency contacts. And so we started these um, to just kind of share resources and get the word out there about what's being available. So these are held the last Wednesday of every month at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Absolutely anybody is welcome to join. You can register for these on our website, again, under that virtual learning resources page. Um, and this month we are collaborating with uh, OrCam. So we're going to hear about their products, the, the OrCam Read and the OrCam MyEye, I believe is what they're called. Um, so again, that'll be the last Wednesday of this month at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please join us. We honestly have a lot of fun. It's very informal. You can ask questions and kind of learn about other things that are available. Uh, lastly, I'll leave you with our new podcast. So we have started a new podcast. It's called Taking the Lead. You can find it wherever podcasts are streamed. And we really talk about blindness. We talk about the myths, the misconceptions. We hear stories from our clients and what they're going through or what they've experienced or all their accomplishments, all the things they're doing, um, how Leader Dog has impacted their life, but also just what they're doing and how they're living. Um, and then we also share about our team members. So we highlight different team members to learn about their role at Leader Dog and how they contribute and what they do. So it's a lot of fun. We put out a new episode every Thursday. And so check that out. Again, it's called Taking the Lead um, by Leader Dogs for the Blind. And you can, again, find it anywhere that where podcasts are streamed. 
So I'll go ahead and pause here and stop to see what questions we have. Um, and then I can also continue talking about either the application process or kind of the life cycle of a leader dog, but I'd be happy to answer some questions so nobody forgets in the meantime. No hands yet, but give it a second. I'm sure there will be. Lastly, <laughs> while everybody's raising their hand, Mrs. Hayao, um, <clears throat> I wanted, you know, the, the DeafBind program is something that I have an interest in, interested in for many years, and I, I do have a, a question about that. So when it comes to the application process, um, is it any different to apply for the DeafBind program? Is it is there any special requirements in regards to the application? Is there anything different about it compared to applying for the, um, the main um, guide dog program? That's a great question. No would be the short answer. Not really. Um, the application's going to look the same. You would just kind of check that deafblind um, box or preference that is. And then really probably the biggest thing would be your communication style, how best you communicate, what you use, um, resources, things like that. And uh, otherwise, no, everything else would be the exact same. Okay. And 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 so in regards to the communication skill, kid. Uh, is it is it pure ASL or is it um, say somebody who's very hard of hearing may not know ASL but cannot depend on their hearing re um, reliably? Is that an option for them or? Yes, absolutely. Work? Yeah, not all of our clients in that program communicate with American Sign Language. Most do, but it certainly is it is for people who are hard of hearing that um, maybe just need that more one-on-one -on -one attention, those quieter environments, more time to process, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah, there was a <laughs> lot of confusion about that for many years for me, and I was like, well, uh, yeah. So thank you so much. Does anybody want to go ahead and raise their hand? This is the time. Um, I know, Jean Marie, you've been anxiously waiting to ask questions, I'm sure. Oh, somebody raise their hand. Go for it, Teresa. Norma, go ahead. Awesome. Unmuted, go for it, Norma. Oh, did you do the got it button, maybe? It looked like she was unmuted for a second. Oh, now you're unmuted, Norma. I have two hands. Well, why don't we go into Bill while Norma's working on uh getting unmuted she may not have done the got it button well you want to go ahead this is bill i can talk yep go for there it. you are uh yeah i just have a kind of a quick question now, i live out here in colorado now does leader dogs have uh any kind of uh support out here or fuel rep representatives other than up there in michigan that's a great question. Yes. So we have field reps that are kind of stationed throughout the U.S. that cover um, different areas. And so if you needed assistance, we would have one of our field reps come out to you. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. Nora, you might need to go out and come back in to okay. recatch. Oh, we can hear you now, Norma. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yay! <laughs> uh, 
yeah, uh, sound card thing. Um, anyway, uh, I'm wondering regarding the standards and the the three established routes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are you looking for something, three routes that, you know, like a, a signal crossing and, you know, um, that would show our O&M? So for the application, yes, that's the nicest so that we can really see kind of like show off all of those skill sets. For your three purposeful routes or your established routes for your training, uh, yeah, I mean, that's great. But we also recognize people do live in environments where they don't have lighted intersections or um, they're not appropriate intersections to cross. So we are certainly kind of flexible of that. We really do want to know that you have those skills, especially when coming to campus for training, that you can train and go out in these multiple environments. Um, but we understand if that's not in your daily travel, if that helps. Okay. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I know there's lots of small towns out there that sometimes it's difficult to find a lighted intersection and we absolutely understand that. It looks like Diane has got her hand up. Yeah. Um, hello, Leslie and everyone. Um, I live in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, so oh. I'm quite close to you. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I am kind of interested in your O&M program because I haven't had any formal O&M training since like 1977. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, and it seems like a lot has changed about crossing streets between then and now. <laughs> um, I guess my question would be though, I live in a neighborhood um, where a lot of the streets dead end and they curve mm-hmm. and um, you know, like you'll, the, the street will be on, like I don't know you'll have a in like a corner you know a street on one side but not on the other side of the street um so I'm wondering if if I were to sign up for your mobility program you know would would someone be able to work with me in my neighborhood (laughs) Yeah, potentially, I would say what they'd probably try to do is do like a couple days on campus and then maybe a couple days in your home or maybe they'd drive you home on the last day and work in your home area that day. Um, But certainly they can be flexible with you. Okay. uh, Now, is your application form uh, available online? Yes. Yep. If you go to leaderdog.org. Um, you can click on the orientation and mobility program or a very at the very top of the, the screen, it says apply. And if you hit that, then you can select which program. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And if you have any questions, by all means, please reach out. I'm happy to help. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I've always wanted to uh, see the campus and everything. I know someone that has had several um, guide dogs from there. Okay. So, okay. Well, I, I will... I won't take any more of your time. And thanks for answering my question. Absolutely. And that's a really good question. And I, I, I think that's kind of cool that you live close by-ish, maybe, that, mm-hmm. that you can get a little bit of an extra, extra. 
<laughs> I love that. That's so cool. Um, do you guys get a lot of local like Mich- Michiganders who, you know? Um, yes. So I would say the majority of our clients do come from Michigan. Um, but again, we do serve the entire U.S. and Canada. And we are actually getting back to our more international clients. We had um, clients here from Spain this last class. So that was really exciting for us to be able to open that back up. How do you guys handle international clients? Because those guide dog requirements in other countries are a little bit different. So do you train accordingly? Yes. So we partner with other organizations within those countries. Um, I know like in Spain, I think it's called ONCE. Um, And so they have a really hard time kind of keeping up with supply and demand type thing. And so we partner with them. So anytime, um, I believe they kind of help with the application process. And then when they go home, they're supported through ONCE. So like ONCE would do the field rep positions kind of for us because we can't fly to Spain all the time to assist. Yeah, and I'm sure that it'd help with, you know, post-training. Right, getting back home. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Anybody else have any questions? Sandra has her hand up. Yeah, thanks, guys. Actually, um, because I live in the UK, and that was my my question about international clients. So would that follow the same pattern as you described just there with, uh, with Spain? You know, I don't honestly know all of the clients internet or um, countries internationally that we serve. So that would be oh, a better question probably for our client services department. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think. I know we serve like Saint, Spain and Mexico and Chile and more. Um, oh, but I don't know about the UK. I haven't heard of anybody coming in from the UK. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll um, contact them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just to double check, when you said lighted intersection, um, I was thinking maybe she means like a zebra crossing, like with the with the two way traffic. Is that is that what you mean? And a a zebra crossing? Yeah, that that's kind of what what it's referred to, like this side of the world with um, the two way traffic, and then you go to the sort of area down the middle where the, the roads, for want of a better word, collide and there may or may not be an island. And like, is, is that the kind of crossing yes. you, you met with there? Okay, thank yes. you. <laughs> thank you. Roberta has her hand up. Hi, Leslie, this is Roberta. Um, I live in Michigan as well. Oh. Um, I have a question regarding uh, ACVREP. Mm. In the past, um, I recall seeing some information that said the Wednesday afternoon seminars that you do were um, that had ACVREP credit available and I I actually I haven't seen a I haven't seen a um, a, a, you know a flyer in a while so I must have gotten kicked off a list somewhere Um, but I'm just wondering are you still offering those for ACVREP credit? So um, our collaboration events aren't for ACVREP. The only thing currently that we have for ACVREP credits is on our website under the virtual learning that um, professionals tab. There's videos that you can watch basically um, and kind of fill out the little questionnaire, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then I can send you a certificate for that for ACVRP. Additionally, we do a professional seminar once a year where we'll um, invite comms onto our campus to stay and do like a full day and a half 
of guide dog readiness and GPS and all sorts of stuff uh, for ACVREP credits. Okay, wonderful. I'll check yeah. the website. Thanks Thank much. you. That's it for the moment. We have about 15 till we got to close this down. So if anybody has any questions whatsoever, go for it and ask. Um, so um, just out of curiosity, Leslie, after you do the, 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 um, the summer camp for the teens, do any of them come back for guide dog training, you know, later on? Is that a regular thing or do they, you know? Yeah. So usually, um, a lot of our clients or the summer campers do come back for whether it's a week of O&M or even guide dogs down the road. So um, it's pretty neat actually to catch up with our campers years later. I just spoke with somebody. Uh, I can't even say she's like young anymore because she's in her mid twenties, but she uh, was a camper in 2012 and I just spoke with her recently and she still keeps in contact with a lot of those friends. She came back for O&M. She came back for guide dog twice. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of times they do come back for multiple programs. That is so cool. I, I think that um, having a school that provides all those programs and then somebody can just, like you said at the beginning of your presentation, you know, be there for the duration of their life, you know, can can count on on leader dogs. Yes, I will say it's um it's really cool and it's really fun on my end. I've been at Leader Dog since 2012. I started as an intern and then uh came back I guess in 2014. Anyways, I've been there a long time. So it's really fun for me to see these campers and uh, see kind of all the things that they've done and come back for programs. I've now seen clients come back for, you know, multiple dogs, which is pretty cool. Um, and then we're here to support with the O&M program as well. So many times clients will come in for kind of that brush up O&M before getting their second dog or their third dog. Because uh, it is really easy to start just relying on that guide dog and traveling, kind of hold on and go. And so we want to make sure that everybody does still have confident O&M skills that they can travel with as well. Awesome. More hands all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, Nora, you're first and then Sandra. Okay. Yeah. I have a I'm from Nora from Phoenix, Arizona. And my question is, what about how, how old are the dogs when you very, very first trained them? Oh, that's a great question. So our dogs, um, we breed our own dogs first off. And so we have volunteers that host the, the female and male breeding stock dogs and they come in for their duties, if you will. And then they go back home and they live in these homes of our volunteers. The females actually do have their, their babies or their puppies in these volunteer homes. And that's where they stay for the first seven weeks. Um, at seven to eight weeks, they come back into campus and they go through kind of a medical evaluation. They get some vaccines, things like that. And then they go out to their puppy raisers. So around eight weeks, they're going out with their puppy raiser, who again are volunteers. And they spend about the first year of their life with a puppy raiser, sometimes a little bit longer. And the puppy raiser is responsible for basic obedience, house manners, and exposure. So exposing them to as many different environments as possible, um, and around their first birthday, they get a happy birthday card. And then it's got some dates in which the dog needs to be returned to campus. And so the dog will come back in around their first birthday. Sometimes it's, you know, 12 months to 14 months, I would say. 
And at that point in time, they'll go through another round of medical evaluations. They may be pulled for breeding. Um, They may be career changed for a medical reason. But most times at that point, they'll be spayed or neutered and start formal training. So again, around that 12 to 14 month timeframe is when they'll start formal training. And that's with our guide dog mobility instructors. Formal training is about four months long. So they'll then work with our guide dog mobility instructors for four full months before being placed with a handler. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, Sandra is next, followed by Norma. Okay, so I heard a number of years ago that Lida were doing some experiments with guided running. Um, So just wondering if you're still doing that, because that sounded really exciting. Basically, (laughs) the dog running at your own speed. That is really exciting. I don't believe that is us. I think that's guiding eyes. Right. Sure. That's okay, but it is a very cool program. And uh, I will say one of the great things about guide dogs in general, especially here in the U.S., I'm not sure about internationally, is that we all really support one another and we all have our strengths and really things that we excel at. And I think that is also a very, very cool program and so great for those athletes and those individuals who like to run. So um, unfortunately, it's not us, but super cool program. Norma, you're up next. Hi, thanks again. Um, I'm curious to know, uh, I read on your website a month or so ago, I guess, about uh, breeding the uh, German Shepherds and you're Mm -hmm. doing it. I can't remember what the other breed is, but could you tell me a little bit about that? Um, How far along is that process? Have you actually placed um, that new mix with clients? That's a great question. Um, I'm not too familiar with all the science behind it or exactly the dogs. I know they're, they're crossing with shepherds and I want to say they're taking like lab golden crosses and crossing them with shepherds, but I am not a hundred percent sure on who or what they're crossing, but I know they are crossing with German shepherds and I have seen some of them and they're stinking cute. I'll tell you that much. They um, definitely have the shepherd look, um, but a little bit more labby uh, as far as the ones that I have seen. They're adorable. And I do believe we have started placing them. I couldn't tell you how many. Do their ears still stick up or do they go down like a lab? Some of them do and some of them don't. So it really just kind of depends on on the dog specifically. Okay. But Um, they kind of have that longer, you know, body style and still kind of have that like slinky walk that Germans have. Do they have that double coat? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know about that. Okay. Um, well, I can go on and read more or whatever, talk to the people um, that are doing it. Um, but I find that a fascinating mix. Um, the other thing is, at which point in the process do you know us well enough to say, okay, we're going to try this dog with Norma? Yeah. So we just did a great webinar on the matching process and Lauren Stober, one of our guide dog mobility instructor apprentices did it. And it's absolutely wonderful. And I am working on getting it up on our virtual learning to have it very soon. It's quite the process. Um, But so my understanding is almost like halfway through training, they're really starting to think about who the dogs could be matched with. So Uh, they, when they start kind of going through the training, they're looking at the approved wait list of clients who are waiting for a guide dog. So they're already kind of having an idea in the back of their head of who this dog could go with uh, or what clients we need to serve, I guess is a better way to think about it. 
And so, you know, halfway in that three month time frame, they're really starting to narrow down. Okay. We think we have a dog for this person, or I think I have two or three dogs that could work with this person. Um, so, cause we do have to call, you know, a month or two in advance to make sure that that person's going to be available. So sure. it does happen rather early on. Um, and sometimes it'll change. Um, and they'll even say, so Lauren said in the, the webinar that sometimes clients will get to campus and they think for sure, like this is going to be the dog for them. And then they meet the person and they maybe walk a little faster or just something in their gut saying, nope, it's going to be this other dog. And sometimes they kind of change like right before they actually give the dog. So sure. it's a lot of science, I think, in researching the, the clients oh, sure. and the dogs. And then I think there's a lot of just magic and gut instinct in there too. <laughs> right. Well, I can appreciate that. Definitely. Um, you guys have been at this um, a lot longer than I thought. I mean, um, you were one of the very early schools, evidently, um, yes. in the U.S., um, well, I, uh, I almost have everything together to put in my application. So, um, cool. who knows? <laughs> well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Leader dogs started in 1939 and it was by, uh, three local lions club members basically. And they had a friend who had applied for a guide dog at another organization and was denied and they didn't take that lightly. And so they <laughs> said, forget it. We'll start our own. <laughs> um, and they started their very own guide dog organization. And we've been here since, and we've been actually on the same property in Rochester Hills, um, it used to be an apple orchard and it has like an old farmhouse kind of, and oh, it's wow. just completely grown. We have a brand new renovated canine development center, um, just a beautiful campus. We also have a downtown training facility. So about a mile north of our main campus, we have like a little hub, if you will, a building that we use um, during training. So in Michigan, obviously we get every season. So sometimes we use it to warm up. Sometimes we use the building to cool down, um, whatever it is that we need. So it is, it is really nice. Great resources. That is so cool. I, I like the little rebel in the history of leader dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, a little bit like ACB, how ACB got started, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Very cool. You know, um, real quick, uh, Back in 2007, I um, I, I was in I, I live in the Pacific Northwest now, but I, I was born and raised in Texas, and so I was at the rehab, rehabilitation uh, center in Texas, Chris Cole, and I was very pleasantly surprised to see an old friend who was doing um, outreach for you guys. He's a, he used to be a big seeing eye guy, and then switched over to leader dogs. And one of the reasons he switched over was because of the way, um, I don't know if it's changed since then, so I'm curious. He switched over because you guys do, um, when when the dogs are in their kennels, they do um, bottle training instead of bowl drinking training. Um, oh, do you guys still do that or? Um... So we have like, a, I don't know what the formal name for them is, but like liquors yeah. basically. So yeah, they have like access to water whenever they want it. It's just like a little dripper that comes down and then they can lick it and get water at any time in their um, that is just villages. so cool. I love that. And it's so easy for, you know, traveler, people who are on the run all the time. It's just easier to grab a bottle and just fill it up and the dog can just find a way to drink out of it, you know, or, or, um, or just toss it into the dog's mouth. I used to do that with my pet dog. It's just 
have open their mouth and <laughs> it was really important to us when we <clears throat> excuse me designed the canine development center that it'd be as comfortable as possible for our dogs yeah excuse me um and so they have much larger spaces now and it's actually created so that when somebody walks into the the village or the bay i'm sorry i can't remember which term we use but anyways it's much larger so that all the dogs are facing kind of towards the door so they can see and that's been proven to reduce anxiety in the dogs so um it used to be kind of our dogs were all in these kennels and they were in lines and rows and stuff like that and people would walk in and then you know the dogs can't see or really understand what's going on um, and that was really stressful on our dogs. And so we've kind of created this new environment in which all the dogs can see what's going on at all times, which has really reduced the stress um, in the Canine Development Center. And the dogs are much, much happier. There's also new air filtration systems and um, air conditioning and all the wonderful state-of-the-art things. So it's it's a much better place for our dogs. We're really happy about yeah, it. Yeah, it looks less like a shelter and more like a home, you know? Yes. That's yeah. And it's larger. So, you know, dogs are pack animals and sometimes they're actually uh, more comfortable with another dog with them. So the, the spaces in which they're in are much larger. So if we need to put two dogs together, if one's really feeling stressed and it helps to have the comfort of another dog, two dogs can fit in comfortably. Um, people can walk in easily. So like when I go in to get a dog, I don't even have to duck to walk into where the dogs are <laughs> in kind of like their kennel, if you will. Um, so it's just, it's all around just so much nicer and better for our dogs. And we've definitely seen an improvement. Awesome. Awesome. It's at seven till Leslie, you were awesome. Thank you so much for the presentation and for making the time on your Tuesday, probably your lunch hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you just sound so enthusiastic. I love your enthusiasm in present presenting this. It's so awesome to have you. Um, and yeah, so I guess there will be post session notes for those of you who are interested. Teresa will go into that. Um, thank you so much, Leslie. And um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for having me. If you have any questions, um, please feel free to reach out. You can reach me at leslie.hoskins at leaderdog.org or check out our website, leaderdog.org. My contact information is everywhere there. So <laughs> I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thank you. So, um, for our post session notes, I forgot to be the one who do this. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming. Um, for those of you who are interested, uh, for hope, I actually wanted to thank these any our um, contributors for and members of Whole Foundation and Learning Center. For without them, this event would not be possible. So. Um, if any of you are interested in getting post-session notes or have any questions about any of our material, please call 503-668-6195. Again, that's 503-668-6195. Our email is oralhull at gmail.com, O-R-A-L-H-U-L-L at gmail.com. Please, please email us and let us know where you're from. We love to hear from you. Um, our website is wholeparkfortheblind.org, H-U-L-L-P-A-R-K, fortheblind.org. Thank you all for coming. We appreciate you. Uh, and just keep an eye out for, uh, schedule to for our next event. Take care.